Dying is easy. Living is the trick. That's from Red Smith. My friend, have you ever wondered who drinks the most coffee? Well, this coffee party started in Ethiopia, and now you can find it growing in 70 countries and drank almost everywhere. Brazil grows the most coffee, and Finland drinks the most coffee at four cups a day. Our Scandinavian friends consume about 25 pounds of coffee per capita, compared to the U.S. at about nine. Now, there's many species of coffee, with Arabica and Robusta being the two most prominent. Arabica is known for its smoother, sweeter flavor, with hints of fruits and berries. And in contrast, Robusta is characterized by its strong, bitter flavor, with a grainy or nutty aftertaste, and about double the caffeine of Arabica. Generally speaking, that Starbucks you're sipping is Arabica, and that instant coffee you keep in your go bag in case of emergencies is Robusta. A decade ago, I found myself in a country that doesn't drink much coffee. Like many parts of Central Asia, they prefer vodka, sometimes tea, with water being a close third. On this particularly warm afternoon, I was under the tutelage of a man we'll call Wayne. We were part of a close-ish group of Americans in this small country. And after a relatively brief discussion about the joys of coffee, Wayne offered to teach me how to roast coffee beans myself. Why? Because if you want freshly roasted beans as an expat in a third world country that prioritizes beverages made from potatoes, you learn to do it yourself. And a few days later, I was sitting on the edge of his porch, a handful of green coffee beans rolling around in my hand. My feet were in the grass as I waited for a cast iron pan to warm up. Wayne was behind me, kindly giving me a few hours of his time. Wayne had this great big smile that just radiated kindness. And then last week, I found out he passed away. I would think of Wayne a few times a year. It was always sparked by the sight of coffee beans. Sometimes it would be in line for Princess Buttercup at Starbucks or grinding fresh beans with my adventure partner before we kicked the day off. I clicked on the link to his eulogy and there was that smile. And just then a friend shared with me that her father believed that everyone should write their own eulogy. I let out an audible, huh, what a marvelous idea. Thank you, universe. This was from Steve Jobs at his Stanford commencement speech. My third story is about death. When I was 17, I read a quote that went something like, if you live each day as if it was your last, someday you'll most certainly be right. <laughs> it made an impression on me. And since then, for the past 33 years, I've looked in the mirror every morning and asked myself, if today were the last day of my life, would I want to do what I am about to do today? And whenever the answer has been no for too many days in a row, I know I need to change something. Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I've ever encountered to help me make the big choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you are going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. We can ignore death, but it won't ignore us. There is no escaping, no stopping, and only a marginal ability to slow it down. It is only by wrestling with reality and our eventual death that we can be present. By cherishing our mortality, we truly live. After reading Wayne's eulogy, I wondered what my eulogy would say. What wouldn't it say? Who would survive me? Who would go before me? What virtues would be called out? What would the story behind the story be? What would they say about my vocation? And would my family be proud of me? And I got to thinking, what would I want to tell the kids? 
What haven't they experienced yet that they may want the perspective of their pa? And what words might hug Princess Buttercup and help her celebrate our adventures, our memories, and our love? And yes, the first time I wrote that, I was crying. But here's a challenge for you. In about a month, we will make promises that we mostly won't keep. Instead of New Year's resolutions, let's write our eulogies. Let's put it on paper. Carve out time with some Arabica or Robusta to celebrate your life. Think about the people who left you, those that are still here, and consider how you want to spend the time you have left. Death takes our friends and our future. It will come sooner than most of us want. Only a lucky few will say the things that need saying or have the time to consider the life they've lived. And few will realize the changes that they need to make before it's too late, and even fewer will make them. More tears found me as I read these words from Carolyn in the book, The Noonday Demon. She was saying them to her husband and her two grown children moments before she died. She battled cancer for two years. She was 53. She said, I want you to feel that my love is always there, that it will go on wrapping you even after I'm gone. My greatest hope is that the love I've given you will stay with you for your whole life. I'm sad today. I'm sad to be going. But even with this death, I wouldn't want to change my life for any other life in the world. I have loved completely, and I have been completely loved. I've had such a good time. As we head into the holidays, hug your humans. We can't change what we've done, but we can change what we will do. And I hope you found this helpful. If you did, hit like and share it with somebody else who might need it too. After all, we're all in this together. Take care, friend.